Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of our series on the power of political and civic engagement. We're talking with local elected officials, public officials, and community activists to learn more about what civic and political engagement means to them and how they're involved in their communities. Yeah, Ashley, we we get this question quite a bit, I think, um, and it never ceases to amaze us that we're getting this question, but people ask us, well, what is this thing, right? Civic and political engagement. Are you, are you telling me where to vote? <laughs> and that's like, that's, yes, you definitely should vote. Um, and yeah, I, we could totally tell you where to vote or at least how to look that up. Uh, but voting is a really small part of civic and political engagement. And I think that the, that isn't always uh, very clear to people what exactly it, that it means to engage civically and politically outside of voting. I, I mean, I, for me, it's so much more and, and voting is powerful and it, it really is um, an important element of being engaged in one's community. But, you know, when we're talking to, you know, our network um, of community activists and local elected officials and even, you know, national activists who are who are working for or- advocacy organizations, they're often talking about that, you know, there's so much more to do than showing up at your polling station um, and casting your ballot, even if you do it more than just every four years. <laughs> you know, being being an engaged citizen, and I'm, I'm going to use the terminology of citizen very broadly, not in the legal definition, but in, in terms of being fully invested in your community. It means volunteering at your local block club. Um, it means paying attention to what your local elected officials are saying, what ordinances they're putting forward, talking if you can and feel comfortable at, uh, you know, a town hall meeting. But it also can mean volunteering at a local service organization or serving on the board of directors of a nonprofit organization. And I just, so much of it is about being invested in your community. Um, And so for us, when we're talking about civic and political engagement, Um, We're really talking about that huge, broad spectrum of the ways in which you participate collectively um, with other people to to improve the world around you. So joining us today is Stephanie McHenry from Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, and she's going to talk to us a bit about this. Absolutely. Joining us today is Stephanie McHenry, and she is the Vice President for Policy, Advocacy, and Strategic Initiatives for Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, or CNP. This is an organization that supports neighborhood community development. For eight years prior, she was the Chief Financial Officer and Senior Vice President for Business Affairs and Finance at Cleveland State University. She oversaw finance, IT, safety, facilities, dining, housing, purchasing, and human resources. Phew! Uh, Ms. McHenry was president of Urban Partnership Bank, Cleveland Region, from 2003 to 2011. And from 1998 to 2002, Ms. McHenry was senior director of minority business development for Greater Cleveland Growth Association and executive director of Northern Ohio Minority Business Council. Thank you so much for being with us here today. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. 
We just heard your bio and you have done so many amazing things. Um, but we'd love the opportunity to have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, we also happen to hear that you are from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, how did you end up in Cleveland? Uh, we'd love to hear your story. Sure. Well, um, I landed in Cleveland in 1994. And, um, you know, this may be an out of date concept, but back in my day, you followed your job, right? So if there's a career opportunity, you would follow it versus, oh, I think I'll move to Denver and find a job. Um, so career is literally what brought me here. I had been working with an organization called ShoreBank, which is a community development bank, one of the first in the nation to focus on putting banking resources into under-invested neighborhoods. And if, you'll, if you've been around Cleveland a little bit and you're all academic types, so you probably know the history of uh, when the community in Cleveland got together to do the Gateway Project, which was moving all the sports arenas and stuff downtown as a revitalization effort, that same group, the second pot of money they put together was to uh, fund Shorebank coming into Cleveland to deal with neighborhood development. And, and there were some other organizations that, that benefited from that funding as well. So, so that's literally how I got here. Uh, I've always been interested in doing things that make places better. So uh, that's kind of a, a theme, places and people. That's a theme of, of my career if you're trying to string together all those jobs. So now you're currently VP of Policy Advocacy and Strategic Initiatives at Cleveland Neighborhood Progress. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit what that is? What does that role look like? Sure. Well, Cleveland Neighborhood Progress is sort of a trade association in a sense for the community development corporations that operate in Cleveland neighborhoods. So these are the organizations that do uh, planning, you know, physical planning. They provide services for residents, uh, safety. So, so those are our constituents. And as a trade organization, one of the values that we want to bring to the table is to be able to elevate their voices in places uh, where public policy is being made, as well as uh, help to bring public funding into those neighborhoods. And then the last part of my title, uh, strategic initiatives, uh, will change over time depending on the need. But that currently is focused on racial equity and inclusion, both inside of our organization as well as in the work that's done in the community, uh, and also civic engagement. So uh, voter voter registration, um, census, that sort of stuff. So is this a lot different than the work that you had previously done? And you're, I, my understanding is that you're fairly new to this position. How did you come about to move into this position? Well, some people call it courage. Some people call it foolish. But I've actually never done anything twice. I mean, all of my jobs was, were like the first time I've done that thing. So it, it's different in the sense that I get to operate sort of at a 30,000-foot level. Uh, a lot of the other stuff I've done has been a lot, a lot more on the ground, hands-on, uh, actually producing and, and managing on the ground. It's not different in the sense that it's still around community development, economic development in an urban environment. And, and everything I've done in Cleveland has had some of that element to it. So in addition to your professional work, um, you've done a lot in the community. You've, you've been a volunteer, nonprofit board experience. Tell us a little bit about uh, that part of who you are and, and your connection to organizations throughout, throughout Cleveland and the area. Yeah, yeah. I, I came by it naturally. Um, as you noted, I, I grew up in Arkansas. I grew up in Little Rock. And my parents were first-generation college goers. 
in their families. And so, and they were both very involved in the community and it was right at the end of the civil rights, or right, sort of near the end of the, civil, the first round of civil rights era. So I remember getting in the van with my parents and doing voter registration as a little kid. And, and they always served on community organization boards. So I just assumed that's what I was supposed to do as well. Um, so that really got started when I was in my 20s. And I am so not in my 20s anymore. But uh, <laughs> so but throughout the years, uh, I've always seen it as an opportunity, sort of a dual opportunity, one to give back. So to get involved with organizations that are addressing issues that you care about, uh, you know, neighborhood development. So I'll talk about Democracy Collaborative in a little while. Uh, so, so to give back, that's, that's great. And then it also, I found uh, from a career perspective, it's a, it's a different venue for you to show your, your skills and your capacity in an environment that you may not ordinarily be in. You know, you, you might be sitting next to a CEO uh, of some organization that you later end up getting involved with as a volunteer. So, so that's, that's been the, the rationale for it. Um, and, and, and I think that um, uh, board service is a way that, that we can give back to our communities uh, relatively easily. Not everybody has a big checkbook to, you know, to, you know, write a big check to the orchestra, but anybody has a little bit of time to put towards something they care about. How do you go about, you know, choosing the organizations that you're volunteering with and, and or, or, or how are they reaching out to you? How do they know? How do you find that connection? Well, you know, to be honest, you know, being African-American woman, relatively young compared to some board members has made me sort of stand out. Me along with a lot of my friends. In fact, we, I won't, I won't make this a terribly long story, but maybe about five years ago, uh, there's about 10 of us that professionals in different places, all African-American, all fairly relatively young. And we were just sort of sitting around and we were like, how many boards have you got asked to join this year? You know, and everybody's like five, like seven, you know, 10. And, um, and that wasn't something we were proud of because we know that there are more of us out there who would have something to add. But once you get visible uh, in your organization or in the community, then everybody wants you. If you're African-American, if you're a woman, if you're you know, relatively young, they, they want you there. So we actually put together a program. Uh, one, of, one of the people that was in that group was on the board of, of Business Volunteers Unlimited, BVU. And so we actually did a little pilot program to identify other African-American professionals that were out there in the corporate world and the rest of the community and get them on the list. So when people ask us, we can say no, but please call, you know, BVU and they've got a list. So, so it's, it's not hard if you fit a certain demographic to get asked. That's really incredible um, that you guys were able to kind of recognize that. And then just, it sounds like immediately take this action that had an incredible impact, I'm sure, on just the, the ability of people that are interested in getting involved and actually being able to do that. And you, you talked earlier about like this theme of your work. <laughs> and, and my question for you was really about mo what motivates you and, and how we can understand kind of the, the ties that put all this work together. But I would have to think that it probably started with your parents, given how involved they were. But what else is there that has really kind of pushed you along and motivated you so far? I really appreciate the value of cities 
And I also understand a lot of challenges there. So uh, for me, it's about how can all residents of an urban area participate in whatever success there is happening there? You know, and how do we deal with the historic issues that have made certain neighborhoods look a certain way by no fault of the residents themselves? Um, I just think we as humanity waste so much by not engaging all of our folks and by not, um, you know, removing the barriers that keep anyone from being successful. Uh, one of the things I did at the Growth Association was work on putting minority businesses together with people that can buy their goods and services. So with major corporations, uh, because why should we be sending dollars outside of the region that could be spent in the region if you just took your took the scales off your eyes and looked a little more closely at what some of those local assets would be. So so I guess the theme is is to maximize opportunity for everyone in a way that not only helps the individual but but certainly helps the region and helps the the world and the community at large. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> right. I think that's that those are the types of things that motivate Casey and I too when we're <laughs> helped us think about these projects that we're doing. So you've talked about community development. Um, so I actually want to go back a little bit and say, uh, what is it, right? So for all of our listeners, what is community development? And specifically, um, because we spend a lot of time thinking about civic and political engagement, how do you see civic and political engagement um, as a part of that community development world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I'll give my non-Webster uh definition as, as I see it and sort of working in it. I see community development as place-based advocacy and programming that are responsive to the needs of that place's residents. So in a broad sense, it's really driven by what that neighborhood needs. For example, I'm on the board of uh, Midtown Cleveland and you know Midtown is an area that has mostly business residents it has only 2,000 you know, individual residents. So the needs of, a, of, of Midtown are very different than the needs of uh, Fairfax or Huff, where you have you know, primarily residents. So the key is place-based for me. Um, you know, community development can't be done from afar. And it really needs dedicated resources, uh, which is why Cleveland is so fortunate to have such a strong community development corporation system. Not everywhere has that. Uh, I mean, these are organizations that, that live, breathe, you know, 24-7, those neighborhoods. And they are then able to take those needs, pull resources in, uh, help develop, help private funding come in for development, uh, and just address whatever that community needs. So that's, that's a definition. So civic engagement, obviously, is key to that. Um, you have to know what the residents need in order to be able to uh, fulfill those needs. So those organizations do a lot of organizing, outreach, not to mention the, the kind of civic engagement that uh, ends up with the right elected officials being in place. But that because that we know that that has to happen to, for resources and, and for folks to get the kind of attention that they need. So that's how I see those two things connecting. You just said that right, civic engagement is very important to community development, and that makes a lot of sense to me because how do right how do you develop what the community members need if you don't know what they need? Um, is it is this a cyclical process, or does does civic engagement and political engagement 
kind of have to happen first before there can be some sense of community development? And if so, then what does that civic and political engagement look like and why is it so important? It's kind of interesting that the CDC world here has evolved over time and, you know, different ones are at different places. Uh, I remember when I first got here, it was just very clear that those organizations belong to those council people. So, you know, the different ward folks had their own CDCs and at least half of what they did was based on whatever that council person wanted them to do. For most of them now, I mean, there's there's still that relationship, um, but for most of those organizations now, much more value is being given to things bubbling up from the ground, sort of from the grassroots to determine what gets done. So I think they have they happen simultaneously and at different periods of time, one one influences the other more than others. Other times, this is a really interesting period as we look at what's going on in our country uh, around racial injustice. I think that's going to turn a lot of systems upside down because we can no longer go back to the way things were and the people uh, need a voice. So I'm I'm imagining a scenario where community development is going to be even more grassroots and even more driven by individuals' needs and those needs to remove the barriers that are keeping them from being successful. If it's okay, can I follow up on that and just ask, uh, you said earlier that that's one of the strategic initiatives that you're working on at CNP. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the work that you all are doing and how you see yourselves um, kind of as this umbrella organization helping to kind of grow that grassroots? Yeah, so we, we were involved in the last uh, three or four years, I think, uh, right before I got there, uh, this organization called Cleveland Votes uh, was actually part of Cleveland Neighborhood Progress. It has since spun out to a, a different place, but we, I mean, literally, we were going out and uh, getting people registered to vote. Um, we were working with, we were making many grants to other community organizations that were involved in in getting people to vote. Um, we still work with our community development corporations to support them in their efforts around voting. And then the census work uh, is also has also been big in the last little period here. A lot of energy, a lot of effort. I think the, the Census Bureau rightly started to understand that the best way to do this work is by engaging local organizations that already have constituencies that they could then bring that message to. So both of those things are, are still key as we uh, as we look forward at what that engagement is going to be. Um, you know, I'm working directly with the CDC leadership on putting together uh, really the public policy and public funding platform for our industry that then gets used in the upcoming elections. Uh, it's the platform from which we advocate for policy as well as you know getting dollars from the city, the state the federal level. So yeah, that that engagement is going to be more and more important to drive solutions to these intractable problems that are, that have now really raised their head in a way that that we can't go back to the way things were. What are some of the things that you wish more people understood? I mean, especially in terms of right civic and political engagement, how to do it? <laughs> right, where do you even start? It seems like if it's not a world that you're already kind of familiar with, how do you begin to become engaged, uh, especially in your local community? Yeah, I, I think most people come to this world uh, trying to solve problems, right? 
something happens, you need a traffic light, you know, uh, you know, there's something going on on your block that you don't, that you don't like. And so you reach out to your, you figure out who your public officials are at first. It's not, most people couldn't name them all, you know? Uh, so you figure out who they are, you make that call. And then I think it can become um, more engaging once you see that you can solve something in that manner. So if you're productive, if you're able to get that stop sign up or, you know, whatever that thing is, then, then you realize your power. Um, you know, it's one of those aha moments, like, wait a minute, you know, figuring out how the world actually works. It works because people make their needs known to the right people and then things change. So I think to figure out how to get started, uh, you know, it can be kind of tough, but fortunately, you know, we live in the age of information, so you can, Go out and put your zip code somewhere, and and boop up up pops your whoever your council person is or whatever, and you just start there. Um, yeah, and then like I said, success breeds success. There, because once you figure out you can actually get stuff done, then it, it becomes easier to think about solving the next issue. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, in terms of um, one of the things that we value, uh, and we kind of are front and center at the Growing Democracy Project um, and on the podcast, is that um, we 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 believe strongly in an engaged citizenry. Um, that we we want people to be engaged in the process, and sometimes we know that's messy, right? The more people that are there, you have lots more ideas, but. You know, from your perspective and the work that you do, either as a professional or in your volunteer voluntary capacities, just as, as someone who is very engaged in Northeast Ohio and the Cleveland area, what does an engaged citizenry look like to you? And why is it valuable? I think people have to show up and make their views known in the right places. Uh, it is so easy to, you know, isolate yourself into that little world that you built for yourself through Facebook or whatever, you know, whatever you follow and just just stay there, you know, just stay in that little circle. So for me, engaged citizenry looks like people going to places that may not be as comfortable for them or taking on issues that, you know, heretofore they thought figured out somebody else was going to do. Voting, something as simple as, you know, voting, engaged citizenry can be measured by, you know, voter turnout. We've got some neighborhoods in Cleveland that uh, it's horrendous. And, and now we're up against all these challenges uh, you know, House Bill 680 that just went through, you know, limiting, no no postage paid to send back your forms to ask for vote by mail, and we're going to close some of the polls, but we don't know which ones yet, and, you know, all that uncertainty around enfranchising people makes it a little scary, but but yeah, that's, that's a definite measure of engagement. I think uh, people volunteering at community organizations and nonprofits where they have an interest um, is engagement, and um, you know, not like I said, not everybody has a lot of money, but everybody's got a little bit of time. Another area that that I've been working on um, uh, on behalf of the CDCs and just in general is this whole challenge of how do we get local news coverage, print local news coverage, stronger than it has been in recent years because. Uh, as you probably know, there's a huge number of households in the city of Cleveland that don't have access to broadband uh, internet, so they can't go to cleveland.com and get get their news. So now, so, so they just have nothing. So um, I think uh, local news coverage is important to engagement. Um, you know, you shine a light on something, and all of a sudden, 
people understand what they need to be doing as opposed to just sort of dealing with what comes their way. So those are a couple areas, I would say, where engagement uh, is needed, and especially now. So I wonder if you could talk to me just a bit about, and, and I know this wasn't maybe one of the questions that you were prepared for, but I think that a lot of people think that it it seems daunting to use their voice to connect to, right, to maybe contact a politician or somebody that's their representative and say, I have a problem with this. And that perhaps it feels a little bit more secure to identify that there's an organization, whether that's an advocacy organization or a nonprofit organization, that's also doing that similar work. How do people go about uh, you know, becoming connected with organizations that are doing that interesting work, right? Did they just show up? And did they even, right? How, how does that happen? Yeah, when you were when you were speaking, I was thinking about a really grassroots way that people get involved, and this is done with a lot of our CDCs. It's through block clubs, so neighborhood organizations where you know you literally just go talk to your neighbors and you figure out that oh yeah, we all have this thing we want to work on together. It's so interesting. Shorebank in Chicago. Uh, when that bank was getting put together, they spent months just going to block clubs in all these neighborhoods saying, hey, we're going to be here as a resource. Um, and, and that maybe doesn't feel as intimidating as trying to figure out how to get on the board of a nonprofit. The other thing, though, is that uh, most nonprofits need volunteers, not just in, role, in the role of being on the board, but to you know help with activities or help with whatever, whatever they do. I, I found that United Way is a good resource. Um, to just go out there online and just I- identify some organizations that are out there and see see what gets your gets your blood pumping. I think it's very important to relate to something that has meaning for you. And there's tons of work to be done, but you know you'll be more zealous if you're doing something that that relates to you. And, and oftentimes, things grow out of those volunteer opportunities. Absolutely, it's in many ways it's the, those building blocks of right finding community finding areas of interest, finding common problems <laughs> um, and figuring out how we work to collectively and, and whether that's through a block club or volunteering at an organization that has a mission that brought you all together. I think it's a, right. it's a powerful way of then saying, oh, wait, now we know that we can, we can do this. We can take this to our elected officials and we can create change in a different space. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, very much kind of some of the same philosophies that Casey and I have been thinking about um, and how we kind of mobilize and um, use our own platforms for engagement. Yeah. We have a point there that I did want to point, uh, want to make here. Um, Sometimes that, that issue or that common ground comes out of pain. Uh, You know, if you've had some experience uh, that's not been good for you, whether that's, you know, substance or, you know, uh, physical abuse or, you know, you were in the foster care system or whatever it is, you know, people, you know, it's okay to be really selfish about this, you know, really deal with something that has impacted you. And, and it's empowering to, to find yourself in a, in a situation where you can actually do something about it. So I wanted to, I wanted to make that point because you don't just have to be a big thinker about what's wrong with the world and what do I have to fix for the world Think about what what goes on for you in your life. Maybe it's animals, you know, whatever it is, there's there's opportunities to engage and do good work. That's 
Absolutely true. I, yeah, and that's actually how I got started in my volunteering was I went to a place that really spoke to me because I was like, oh, I've been there. So, right, right. So, I, I could, if I can pay that back, that's right. That's what I would love to do. So, awesome. Do you have any other words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Wow. I think finding your way through life, doing things that are productive, not just for you, uh, but for your community. Uh, is is the most fulfilling thing you could ever do. You know, I will die if I have to just go to work for money at some point. You know, I think I'll just, I don't know what I'll do. Uh, you know, find meaning, find meaning in what you do. And, and I understand that everybody can live their dream life and do their dream job, but there's always opportunity to find ways to, to give back. And we're only as good as we all are as individuals, you know, working in this world. So keep up the good work, everybody. And wow, it's been really great talking to you too. Thank you so much. We loved having you. It was so great having you on. Thanks so much. Well, I look forward to post-COVID. Maybe we can uh, post our success at some point. (laughs) Absolutely. We definitely want to have a podcast party. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and my co-host is Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio and supported by the American Political Science Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org. Join us next time when we talk to Tiara Moore, who is the president of student government at Kent State University.